0: Everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Basillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Today, we're very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program a friend of the show, Anthony Stefano. And many of you out there know Anthony, he's written a new book, 30 Days to Your New Life a guide to transforming yourself from head to soul and that's available at Sophia Press and other places which Anthony will mention in the interview um if any of you out there have not listened to our prior interviews with Anthony, or not familiar with him, Anthony DiStefano is an American author, television host, activist. He's written five best selling Christian books for adults, including A Travel Guide to Heaven and 10 Prayers God Always Says Yes to. He's also written eight best selling books for children, including The Donkey That No One Could Ride and Little Star. Anthony DiStefano, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother.
2: Oh, um, thank you for having me back, guys. I love being on your show. It's my, if that, as a matter of fact, it's my favorite show to be on.
0: Yeah, and we're not just saying it, that is high praise coming from you. And we know that you do a lot of interviews, and you know you've you've always supported us. And we are growing, and and in large part thanks to you and other guests like you who who you know value what we do. And we hey, we hope we're we're just getting the right message out there. You are you're pumping out a lot of books. Um, we encourage everybody to go out there and buy not just this book but but all your books especially with kids we we had this conversation before you know with the, with a lot of what's going on out there in the culture war you know the kids are vulnerable your parents should be you know you equipping know, their children i mean what are your thoughts on that
2: well yeah that's why i write the children's books it's not just because they're fun to write and joyful uh for me when a kid you know is smiles and and tells me uh, he loved the story or the parents tell me that it's joyful but the real reason i write children's books is because that's the front lines of the cultural religious war that we are fighting right now the opposite side this w- mad woke culture uh, and we can talk a little bit about that later doesn't uh hesitate to jump over the heads of parents to indoctrinate children with their propaganda and uh, they know that that's where they need to go in the schools. so in order for us to combat that and save the next generation we have to obviously uh teach our children you know the, the 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 home is the first parish i think they say so so yes that's one of the reasons why i write these children's books christian children's books and 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 uh, get to them first before the besides the, before the other side does
0: well, and that's the thing. I mean, we consume so much media in this country and a lot of good, g- good Catholics and, and people of goodwill. We, ha- we rightfully complain about a lot of things, but then we got to do something about it, which means maybe we should start filling our heads with Anthony Stefano's books or some good podcasts out there. The great authors, we you know, that you just mentioned woke culture. We just did an interview with John Horvat for social media talking about the woke culture. In fact, if, if we keep consuming the garbage, well, then the garbage is going to come in. How about we do away with the garbage, and we we start reading and listening to much more valuable things? and They're going to benefit us not just in this world, but also spiritually. That's right, and by and
2: by making sure that the the uh, the books and the movies that are made from a Christian perspective uh, or Catholic perspective, or even a perspective that's not anti-Christian and Catholic, just good. Family type movies that we go out there and we support those products in droves, so that the entertainment community and the music community and, and the media, all these uh, institutions that are controlled by the left uh, and controlled by anti-Christian forces, can see at least that we support uh, with money. We we and so at least there's a chance for them because many times what they'll do is they say that well there's not you know it's it's it, there's not a lot of revenue in putting out good Christian uh, books or movies, but we know that's a lie. I mean, that, that recent Christian movie that came out, uh, I think beat Indiana Jones on July 4th. So yeah, sa- sound
0: uh, of sound of freedom is up there. It's up, it's up around 80, 80 million dollars.
2: good content, start yeah. for good content, Hollywood, the music industry, they just got to give us a chance.
0: That's right. That's right. So, and, and, you know, again, very, very important Joe Racinello. I'm going to hand it over to you.
1: Let's uh, begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the Word, incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Anthony, Let's talk about happiness, because this is like when I read the title of your book, obviously, transforming oneself is a guide to happiness here on Earth. Everyone wants happiness, um, but not a lot of people have it. Define for us happiness. I think that's a good starting point, and then we can kind of take off from there.
2: Sure. Uh, Well, according to St. Thomas Aquinas— okay, and he's as good, as brilliant a person as any to listen to. Happiness in this life can be defined as um, a supreme but not perfect state of well-being and contentment, irrespective of whether you happen to be feeling pleasure or uh, pain or elation or suffering, uh, irrespective of emotions. While it certainly can involve Uh, pleasures and feelings, it's not based on them. Uh, And it's not the sum quality of the pleasures that we experience in life like the hedonists uh, believe. Rather, it's based on the secure knowledge that we are acting in accordance with what God wills for us. Uh, That's when you have the the supreme fulfillment and happiness and tranquility, which the Bible says uh, transcends all understanding. Now, that's not still perfect happiness, which can only be attained in heaven, but it's a big thing. It's an important thing, and it's possible for us to have here. Um, now, that doesn't mean that that life won't always be a valley of tears and a place of sorrow, because it is this side of heaven, but it's possible, despite that, to have this supreme feeling of contentment, and I think that's a good working definition of uh, of happiness for us.
0: I think a lot of that gets muddled, if you listen to people, let's say, like Sam Harris. Um, the 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 prominent atheist about like he, he treats happiness as as, as an ideal uh, something to be uh, to aspire to but it's very subjective. Anthony, it's, it's like because you could you could say well well I I just want I just want to be happy. Well, be be careful when you when you say that you don't know what makes people happy. There's evil people in the world that do evil things that actually make them happy. How do we differentiate? Anthony, like and certainly how do we combat the atheists of the world who just say, well, it's all about your own happiness. Okay, but then define that. You gotta, you gotta tell me what, what you're talking about. We know what we're talking about when it comes to happiness. Like you said, that contentment. How how you know where I'm well, going well, in? How, well, do, how do we combat that?
2: Well, in order to combat that, all we have to do is point our fingers right there at what I was speaking about before Hollywood. Now look at Hollywood, look at the movie stars. These people have fame. Uh, They have uh, obscene amounts of money. They have as much uh, sex and carnal pleasures as you could possibly want. They have complete freedom. They can use private, you don't have to wait on lines like the rest of us do. In other words, they have every single pleasure that life has to offer. And how many of them do we see spinning out of control, getting addicted to drugs, lots of failed marriages, all kinds of uh, problems, and yet they have all that the world has to offer. So I think there's a pretty compelling case that the world's uh, definition of happiness is uh, a wrong definition. So I mean, just objectively, based on that, we can say that the world is telling us something, uh, something wrong.
0: Anthony DeSefano is joining us here at the front line with Joe. And Joe, we're discussing his new book, 30 Days to Your New Life, a guide to transforming yourself from head to soul. Now, Anthony, that's available at Sophia Press. Where else can our folks buy it?
2: You know, I'm very blessed. My books have wide distribution. They can get them uh, on Amazon, and they could get them at Barnes and Noble, and uh, all your. We always try to patronize our local Catholic bookstores. EWTN. It's pretty much, you know, it's a, the proverbial uh, saying: uh, "Where all books are sold, you could find it."
0: All right, but you know, we always emphasize here: we not only do we want to support our Catholic authors like Anthony De we also want to support our Catholic. Publishers so we can get the positive message, basically the gospel message out there. Joe Resinello.
1: Anthony, I mean, I'm going to make a bold statement. I don't think you can be happy outside of God. I don't think life makes sense outside of Christ, because Christ defines two things for all human beings, suffering and death. He gives meaning to them, and we all experience that. With that said, though, do people now in this culture— broken families they're they they've cut themselves off from god many catholics don't live in a state of grace which cuts you off from the life of god do they even know where to find happiness so many people are unmoored and they're basically like grasping and searching for something that is why i'll be honest with you i think the greatest example and director to happiness Are Catholic people who are happy, we have to be happy, like, like, and show people that because ultimately, like, I don't think people know where to go anymore. They're trying all these different things, grasping at all these different things, and they're coming up empty handed. We have to show them your thoughts
2: on that. Because that's just my observation. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I don't think people know uh, how to find happiness. And mainly the reason is because the world, the culture, is not telling us that happiness has to do with your relationship to God, as you point out. It's telling us the opposite. it's 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 um, it's selling us something, if you will, with the wrong definition of happiness. Now let I use this example in the book. Let's say you wanted to go to a certain place in Manhattan. But you've never been there before, and you go out on the street uh, in Manhattan and you buy one of those little cheap maps that they sell. And but what if there had been an error in the printing of that map? You know, what if the map maker map map making company had accidentally labeled the map New York City when it was really a map of Chicago? right? So if you try to follow that map, it would be very confusing. You try to go down the right streets and make the correct turns, but you keep ending up at the wrong place. You'd go in a bunch of different directions, but you'd still be lost. And yet, if you look down at the map, it would say very clearly New York City. Well, that's exactly what our society has done to people today. It's given us a map that's labeled happiness. Uh, and it's it urged us to follow it through Hollywood, the media, the music industry, et cetera. Only it's not a map of happiness at all. It's a map to say success or self-improvement or worldly pleasures or uh, social media fame, right? Or sex without responsibility or, or being hip and stylish. You know, who knows what, you know, most of the times it ends up being a map uh, to misery but the wrong label has been stuck on it and it's been sold to us anyway. And like sheep, we blindly follow it and then we scratch our heads and wonder why we never arrive at our destination.
0: You know, it's funny, Anthony. I'm just I'm you know, thinking it's like so much to unpack on what you just said. Um, one of the reasons why I'm Catholic is because I don't believe nor I I mean men in the Catholic Church. I'm not talking about individuals, but as the Catholic Church, the church doesn't take Political sides. Okay. The church comments on human activity. Let's, and where I'm going with this is, <clears throat> excuse me, materialism. Now, there's a lot of people that would say, all right, the church condemned communism. Yes, correct. It's communism is a Marxism is a materialist view of human history. Okay. Church also condemns consumerism. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because we're talking about happiness. And a lot of people, if I think, fall into the trap of political and economic ideology to say, well, I find happiness because I get to go, get up every day, go to work, I drive a Cadillac, I got a big house. But that's dangerous also. See, you're talking about transforming yourself. Your book is Transforming Yourself. We Talk about, you know, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but, but, you know, unpack that a little bit because, yes, communism as a materialist worldview is a danger, but but unfettered capitalism and consumerism is just as disastrous to the soul and to human happiness. Do you agree?
2: Yes, I do agree with that. First of all, I mean you're saying a lot of things there and and first of all, the whole idea that you can go out and chase happiness like it's some toy in the corner of the room and you can go get it and grasp onto it. That's a that's a wrong idea. You can't do that. Happiness is something we get in the process of of being in union with God, trying to be in union with God. That's the way we have fulfillment and purpose and contentment. You don't go out and seek uh, any kind of utopia. That's the big mistake that everyone makes. The communists, they have a utopian worldview. People, Mm -hmm. some capitalists have the same kind of worldview. uh, And I just talked about those people in Hollywood. They think that if you get a zillion dollars and get fame and fortune, you're going to be happy. That's not the way it works. Um, In terms of communism, you know the church preaches against that. You know because one of the commandments says, "Thou shalt not steal," and if if there's a commandment that says, "Thou shalt not steal," that means implicitly that you have a right to own things. We have a right to own things, and that's why it's wrong to steal. Things so communism basically doesn't believe that you have a right to own things. It has you believe in the the government owns everything. So there's a fundamental problem with communism going to the root of the Ten Commandments. And we know that communism has has uh, part of its tenets. If you read Karl Marx, is that religion is the opiate of the masses that you Mm -hmm. that government is the god and not God Himself. So communism is particularly particularly dangerous. Uh, And has been dangerous. I mean, if you look back at at last century, uh, something like uh, you know communist totalitarian uh, leaders killed something like one hundred and eighty thousand people. One hundred (laughs) eighty million. So, so communism is 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 um, I think worse than capitalism. Capitalism, there are sins uh, uh, related to capitalism having to do with excess. Mm -hmm. and abuse of people, but there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the system of of democratic capitalism. It's the abuses that go along with it. And the reason why we're, I mean, who said, um, I forget who said that the reason why we have laws is because men are not angels. And the fact that we're not angels, that we have a fallen human nature, does lead us to to sin and to commit evil and to choose evil. So any system we have, whether it's a capitalism, democracy, communism, anything can be corrupted. And therefore we have to have checks and balances and watch all of those things. And as far as the church goes, I'll say one other thing. Yes, the church is not to take political positions insofar as we're not allowed to endorse candidates. But you have to remember that the same hands that are raised in prayer to God and church are the same exact hands that pull the levers in the voting booth and so we should never let the culture and the society tell us that we are not allowed to be political as Christians we, we it's demanded of us that we are political and that we care about the our leaders and what they're saying about abortion and about our uh, gay rights and about gay marriage and transgender woke doctrination you know it we, we have to vote, uh, our Christianity and our Catholicism.
0: And- no, no, absolutely, and I'm glad. I'm glad you made that distinction, Anthony. I I know sometimes when I'm on one of my Joe Pasillo rants, I get a little bit muddled. But yes, I was making the distinction. There is a major distinction, obviously, between communism and capitalism. I was obviously focusing more on the idea of the material worldview becoming, let's say, a replacement for God. So I am um, thank you for, for making that distinction. Again, if you're just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, uh, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello with Anthony DiStefano, his new book, 30 Days to Your New Life, a guide to transforming yourself from head to soul. Joe Racinello.
1: Anthony, I want to talk about happiness because to be honest with you, I think a lot of people want happiness, but they don't want to do the things to be happy. And I want to illustrate that. I got married late in life. I was 43. I was the guy at every wedding someone tried to set up. Now, I knew what I wanted. I wanted a Catholic woman. And frankly, a secular woman couldn't stand me. I didn't believe in contraception. I believed in everything the church taught. And frankly, when I would talk to people, I could, you know, I'm not 16 at the time, you know, I could immediately tell that they were not on board. Um, why am I bringing that up? Because a lot of women say, I want a nice guy. Most women will say that, but and I'm not condemning all women, but there are women, once they see actually what a nice guy is all about, they don't want him. They're not interested. Why do I draw that parallel? It's the same thing with happiness. You see, happiness isn't having something. Happiness isn't a destination, as you rightly said. Happiness is laying the groundwork. It's a byproduct of a lifestyle. And when you present that to people, as Jesus did, I'm not interested. And then when the output of that lifestyle that you chose produces unhappiness— they're still not interested your comments on that because that is to be honest with you i i mean in my own family friends they have eyes they see you anthony they see me they see the byproducts of happiness i'm not interested
2: your thoughts i agree with you i i i think that this um this cliche about um nice guys finish last, and women don't like nice guys. Um, There's truth in it, but I think it has to do with the definition of nice. I don't think that women are not attracted to nice guys. I think what women are attracted to is masculinity. And there's always a certain um, strength and even possible danger, uh, Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, that goes along with masculinity, the strength, the the willingness to risk, things like this that really aren't connected with a moral good like being nice. I think that under the right circumstances, look, if if you're a strong Christian man, a strong Christian man, and you don't have some kind of you know, um, a toxic femininity about you, they talk about toxic masculinity, but if you don't have that toxic femininity about you, and I'm afraid a lot of this generation is growing up to be that way. A lot of this male generation, um, <clears throat> then I think women can be very attracted to you. And the reason is because it is magnetic. Uh, Ernest Hemingway said that, um, you know, if, if if you're doing good work and you have purpose and you're strong, then uh, then people will be attracted to you like birds are attracted to a, a – like migrating birds are attracted to a powerful beacon at night. So, yes, I think that the most powerful thing we can do as Christians and Catholic is, C- Catholics is to live our faith, to show that we're not only happy in our faith – Okay, and that we're not missing all of these things that the world is missing, that we're, but that we're also strong in our faith, and that we're not manby, pamby, or feminine. I'm talking about Catholic men now. That if you show you're a strong Christian male, then people are going to be attracted to that. Girls are going to be attracted to that, and men are going to be attracted to that, too, because people want certitude. That's what people want in life. They want certitude. This is a confusing time we're living in, uh, especially with all the conflicting signals coming to us. You know, Hollywood and the music industry and the media, they're all using the most sophisticated means of communication to propagandize people. So, of course, kids are confused. So the more that we as strong Catholics and Christians are able to not only speak our faith but to live our faith uh then that's going to be attractive. You know, uh, the Bible says that if the trumpet sounds an uncertain call, who will arise for battle? And the answer is nobody. No one. So we Catholics and Christians, we have to be very certain in the trumpet call that we sound and then people will arise for battle.
0: Good do you do you believe Anthony that Let's get into the culture war a little bit, okay, um, and the battle against wokeism, which is an enemy of happiness, okay, objective happiness, because they sell a bill of goods that they—well, if you listen to us, you'll be happy, okay, uh, you'll be free, in the meantime you'll be miserable and you'll be a slave. How important is it to make sure that not only do we do we fight for the things that we say we believe in, like we're talking about now, but making sure on that, on that very fundamental— Level that we're able to communicate and make sure we preserve that right to communicate these ideas. I'm with well, you. I'm with you. I'm a little bit of a pessimist like Joe. Let's, okay, let's, yeah. let's talk go, about, ahead, Ian. go ahead, Go ahead, break talk it down.
2: About, Let's talk about woke for a second. And I know you guys have been interviewing people on this. Um, I just wrote uh, an article uh, for Newsmax, appeared last week, in which I pointed out that uh, this woke culture that we're presently living in, in this woke culture, we can't even say today, That a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And people don't know why. We can't, you know, we, the people who are saying don't understand this. Maybe the reason that we can't say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman is because for the last 50 years, our culture has been telling us that a baby is not a baby. You know, doesn't that make sense? In other words, just as the pro-choice movement has ignored the science of prenatal development. From the presence of a uh, complete human genetic code at the moment of fertilization to the date the human heart begins to beat, to the date the brain and the nervous system uh, start to form. Just the same way the woke movement totally ignores uh, the science of gender differentiation uh, from all the clear genetic markers that show whether you're a male or a female female to, to all the psycho- psychological, skeletal, physiological uh, characteristics, all the reproductive and hormonal differences between the sexes. The point is that if you can't even identify what a human being is, despite overwhelming scientific evidence, then, you know, how in the world can you define what a man and woman is? The problem we're facing today with the culture Joe and Joe, goes much deeper than politics. It has to do with evil. Look, performing double mastectomies on 13-year-old girls who want to be boys is evil. Castrating 14-year-old boys who want to be girls is evil. But but we can't fight evil. if, If the world is insisting that it's not evil, that it's good. In theology, that's what's called a a diabolical inversion. It's when the truth becomes a lie and the lie becomes the truth. It's when positive becomes negative and negative becomes positive. What happens in life when you do that? What happens when you reverse the the polarities of an electric current, right, when you make the negative positive and, and and the positive negative? What happens when you do that with the electrical wiring in the house? The power gets cut, the lights go out, and isn't that exactly the state of our society today? Hasn't the whole moral uh, system been turned on its head. Men claim that they're women. Women claim that they're men. Uh, promiscuity is viewed as empowering, while chastity is viewed as, as insanity. Uh, unborn babies are called blobs of tissue, while with fewer rights than sea turtles. The elderly and the sick uh, aren't treated as the wisest, uh, most treasured members of society, Right, but rather they are euthanized because they're in the way. And innocent children are are given transgender indoctrination in schools but they're not allowed to pray. Black has become white. White's become black. We're entrenched in this culture of atheistic despair and and death and deceit. And as I said in this article, uh, at the end of the article, I said that the pro-choice movement, after a half-century crusade to abort children, has finally given birth to something the the gestation period has been very long 50 years but its monstrous grotesque baby has finally been delivered and its name is the woke movement so this is a religious uh cultural war that we're in the middle of and in the only way to answer that second part of your question how to change things is by actively taking part in that war trying to fight it with every single ounce of our strength and being by spreading our faith through Ora et labora, prayer and work. That's all we can do, and with the help of God, we will succeed.
0: And we're, we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break, Anthony Stefano, the need for grace, because we're all flawed, and we and, and again, we, we're in the fight. Nobody's just saying, I don't want to get in the fight. I'm in the fight. So are you, Anthony Stefano, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, because I want to talk about when we come back, I want to talk about going on offense to show the happy life, which is what the, Anthony wrote about. Transforming Your Life, 30 Days to a New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul. It's available at Sophia Institute Press. And other outlets. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, uh, encourage your local parish bookstore to order the book and stock it on the shelves so people have it. But I want to talk about the need to go on offense here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the app, the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. Share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And if you like what Joe and I do, um, you can find Follow us all over social media, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, like, subscribe, share, follow, do all that fun stuff. Again, we have Anthony Stefano here. We have another great half hour with him, so stick around. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, Let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We are way, way, way in the breach with someone who has gone with us into the breach in the past several times, uh, author Anthony DiStefano. He's written a new book, 30 Days to Your New Life, A Guide to Transforming Yourself from Head to Soul. That's available at Sophia Press and many other outlets like Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Joe, you mind if I start off this segment? Would that be okay? Sure. All right, I just want to go uh, to pick up where we left off uh, at the end. Anthony, what about the need? See, we, we want to promote happiness. That's what you're talking about here, transforming oneself, putting on the new man. St. Paul talked about that, to get do away with the old man, put on the new man. The new The old man is weak. And the, the the old man without God's grace uh, is subject to the forces of evil in the world. The new man looks to Christ and his grace and moves forward in life. And they talk about the need for guys like us, the church, people of goodwill, all of us against the evil out there that you were talking about before the end of the segment to go on offense. Let's stop defending Let's stop. Let's 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 start acting like Tom Brady. We go down if we go down the field in 30 seconds and score a touchdown because we go on offense because we know that we can talk about that a little bit, Anthony, please.
2: Well, you know, I've my you know, I've been in the pro-life movement now for over 30 years and uh, I've written, uh, you know, 25 uh, books. Uh, and I still feel like was oh, just a drop in the a drop in the ocean. Uh, what can I say? Uh, Everybody's got to, we're very bad, our side is very bad at mobilizing. We're bad at taking action. The other side, uh, I'm talking about the side of of evil here, this this whole woke madness and uh, anti-Christian, anti-Catholic forces that we face. Uh, Of course, they're in the world. And so the prince of that world, the devil, is very good at giving them uh, great strategies. We're sitting here. And we don't do much of anything. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't vote vote with our morality. We should be out there voting. We should be out there organizing voting drives. We should be out there supporting pro-life candidates. We should be organizing boycotts against companies that can and, and, and Hollywood products that continually uh, and shows that continually make fun of Christians. Um, you know, we should be supporting nonprofit organizations. Uh, that are pro-life organizations or people out there that are on the front lines. If you can't be out on the front lines yourself, then at least take some of your money and support organizations that are on the front lines. So you gotta be actively, uh, actively involved in the fight. What, what can, I mean, that's the, that's the short answer there.
0: Well, that's hopefully uh, and, and, and what we're doing. You gotta doing.
2: wake up these, these uh, kids in this generation. Uh, you know, the, the, we're not only are we living in a godless world, um, but beyond that, and, and this is changing the, su- the 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 subject a little a little bit, but it's important. We're living the new generation is I don't even know if they're aware that there's a, a war going on. You know, uh, they, they they live in isolation on their smartphones. You know, it's amazing. You know, you walk into a room mm-hmm. and there's there's 10 kids maybe they're catholic kids or christian kids you think they'd be together but they're all alone their phone their, their heads are buried in their phones and and they're all alone and and what they really are doing is they're getting used to this artificial life whether it's an artificial life lived through social media or through cable TV shows or all the video games they play or the amount of time they spend on the smartphones and the tablets. And now, of course, we've got virtual reality and artificial intelligence coming down the pike and this generation is already immersed in that. As a society, we've become engulfed in technology. And while, of course, some of that is good and helpful and time-saving, it's still artificial. It's still pretend. And much of it is a distraction from real life. And, And this is the key to why a lot of these people are not involved in the battle, and also why they're so unhappy and experiencing so much stress. You know, it comes down to willpower. What you have to understand is that so many of our problems today are result. Are a result of our our weakened willpower, uh, the, the the will to be strong in the face of this of of of, of these attacks, and uh, you know over the years our willpower has lost a lot of its innate strength. The world and all its glittering attractions have been working hard to erode our willpower, you know, through Hollywood and the music industry and the media, uh, but also it's this all this artificial living. When a teenager plays a hundred video games a week and slays. A thousand fake dragons and kills, you know, a thousand fake bad guys. Uh, He's not exercising his will because it's all pretend. He's exercising a fake will in fake circumstances. His real power, his real willpower is atrophying, it's shriveling up. And the will is like a muscle, it's got to be exercised. Uh, Otherwise, it shrinks. So, what happens is when your willpower shrinks and then you're hit with real problems like the pandemic or bad grades in school or the culture war, for goodness sake, something so in your face, uh, they they can't they're powerless to, to stand up and fight because all, all they do is complain about how life is so unfair uh, and because because they have no willpower. And that's what this generation, this entitled generation does. It's not strong enough to deal with real problems because it's so used to living an artificial life. I know that's not exactly where you wanted to go, but I had to say no, something
0: about that. No, it, 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 but but it rings I'm going and hand it over to Joe. But I, I could look at it just from when we were kids, Compared to what we see now. And again, I see rays of hope. I, I I'm in the restaurant industry as my day job. And, and, you know, so I, I talk to a lot of younger guys who who do feel like, like it's, it's all superficial and try to do something about it. But I will say this, and I'm going to hand it over to Joe. I saw in, in, in a blue collar upbringing, and I'm sure you saw the same thing, Anthony, in Brooklyn, um, blue collar upbringing with people who are struggling, uh, struggling to make ends meet, you know, struggling to get by and everything else. I saw infinitely more happiness and I see in our our current supposedly pr- more prosperous uh, America. I really do. Um and 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 not because people were perfect, but I think along the lines of what you're writing about in your book 30 days to a new life, um part of transforming yourself is to get grounded again. Get grounded into what's real, not this like you said the AI and the virtual reality and all the BS out there. Let's get back to what's real. That that's a good starting point to to getting on the road back to happiness. Joe Rasinello,
1: Anthony I want to harken back to something that Jesus said. He said, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. I have had a very unique life. Um, I've met very wealthy people. I have traveled to third world countries. I've had all types of friends, party people, bad people, and I've known holy people. And I could say this with honesty. The happiest people I have ever met are the missionaries of charity. They have nothing. They are the happiest people I have ever met in my entire life. I work on Wall Street, Anthony. I have met people who are so rich that people would, their minds would be blown away. They're the happiest people I've ever met in my entire life. Why am I going in this direction? Again, it's a byproduct. How do we transform ourselves? We have to take on Christ. The happiest people are the holiest people. How do you become holy? We have to empty ourselves. How do you empty yourself? You give alms. You pray. You give of yourself to your family and to your community. And then Christ fills you. And if you don't do those things, I'm gonna say it, you're not going to be happy because selfishness equals unhappiness. The selfless people are the happiest people. And that's what we have to do. We have to show people that, but that's what people have to do. And I don't think enough people are saying it. Talk about that.
2: Well, yes, you're hitting on the very key to everything. God is love, right? I mean, that's from John, uh, St. John. God is love, and everyone says love is all you need to be happy, Uh, and they're right. But again, society has has given us a wrong definition of love. Love is the most abused, confused, misused, and overused word in the human language. What love means, true love, is self-giving, self-sacrifice, the giving of oneself, like Christ did, on the cross, or so the night before he was crucified, he said, this is my body given up for you. That's what love is and nothing else. And so when you exercise true love, when, you're, when you give of yourself completely, when you give every bit of yourself, then you are plugging into the very substance of God, who is love. You're plugging into the power source of the universe. So of course you're going to be uh, fulfilled. So the more in union uh, a person is, with God, the happier he will be. And and think about it, our destination is heaven, right? Well, heaven, what's heaven? Heaven is union with God through the beatific vision. In heaven, we'll be able to see God, know God, face-to-face, without any kind of filters or intermediaries. And the, re- the result's going to be a profound intimacy and union with God. And that will be the primary source of our happiness in heaven, according to St. Thomas Aquinas and the teaching of the church for 2,000 years. So if union with God is the reason for our happiness in heaven, then of course, it's 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 got to be our goal in life here. It just makes sense. Um, that doesn't mean that we won't have as much suffering and pain as everybody else. If we're in union with God, we will. But it means that we will be able to get through that suffering and pain and still feel fulfilled and still have a peace that, transcending, that, that, that transcends uh, all uh, understanding. Now, what we have to understand here, I wanna say is there's no need to be a monk or a missionary of charity uh, to be in union with God. Being a monk is a vocation, just like being a priest or a nun and you can have a vocation as we do to be husbands and fathers and family people. And and guess what? You can be you can be much much holier as a father than say a ba- as a, as a father in a family of a family than than a bad priest. Okay? What matters is how faithful you are to the vocation you've be, been given and and again to go off on a little tangent here. I know some spiritual people. Um, who wanted to be holy and they left their jobs and their homes and their families and they traveled halfway across the globe because they they wanted they thought God may be calling them to be missionaries and give up their families you know just so they could sacrifice for him and they were happy to do it but the the real reason they were happy to do it for one of the, one or two of those folks I know is because uh they wanted to run away from life. They wanted to run away from their true calling, which was to be a faithful layperson, to be a faithful parent and husband and wife. They were tired of their responsibilities. They were tired of their obligations. So it was easy for them to sacrifice their, their present lives. You know, meanwhile, if these same people had been asked to make um you know, sacrifices that were really against their nature, like, you know, cutting down on their morning coffee or something, or or, or dealing with people who were irritating their life with a little bit of love. They would have gotten all bent out of shape. The point is that before you go trekking across, across the globe to do God's will in in Bangladesh, you know, in an attempt to be holy, you first better make sure that, that what you're really not trying to do is run away from doing God's will right here at home. So the bottom line is when it comes to holiness, it's just what you said. If you want to improve start with your what your vocation is what's your state in life if you want to have a, a holier family life then work on becoming the best kindest strongest most loving most giving family man or woman as possible and that will that will lead you to your holiness following your vocation your i agree
1: with that at a hundred percent you know but i also think about what the lord said at mass When the priest raises the Eucharist, he said, it's the fount of all holiness. We have to tap into Jesus and we have to make ourselves available. Many men have a lot of goals. We have business goals. We have gym goals. I'm going to bench press 300 pounds. What's your day look like in terms of how much of your day are you giving to God? Eric Sammons. We talked to a lot of people. He said something, and, and many people have said things that have resonated with me. He said one thing that resonated with me: if you're not given an hour a day to God, you have nothing to say. Interesting.
2: That's right. Interesting. That's right. And when the- I said just before that, following your vocation in life, your state in life, is the quickest path to holiness. It is. But how do? How does one? follow their state how does one how can one be the best father the best family man the best husband with all the suffering and all the pain in life and all the stresses of bills how can one do that the only way is to go to god agreed only way and we catholics have We don't just have, we don't just like our Protestant brethren We who, you know, we we don't just have the option of praying, which is like making a phone call to heaven. We have the option of going to Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. We can go to a chapel of Eucharistic adoration. We can go to any church that's open. We can go to mass every day or just Sunday and, and have Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity right there in front of us. We can take him into our bodies. All right. There's no greater union with God than that. That's the way to be able to fulfill your vocation and to deal with all the problems and stresses uh, and and, and all the attacks that we're facing right now is to make God the central part of your life. Uh, I think G.K. Chesterton said the Christian ideal has not been uh, found, uh, uh, has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. You know, in other words, living our Christian faith has been found difficult and people don't practice it. You know, and, and what you just said is so true. You know, everybody's complaining about how hard their life is. Meanwhile, do you start your day with a prayer or do you start your day by Checking your social media account and seeing how many likes your Instagram posts got. Or, or do you start your day with the morning offering that the church gives us? We're saying in Our Father. Uh, do you do you go to Mass, not once a week, but several times a week? Do you say the rosary? Do you do you go to Chapel of Eucharistic Adoration? Do you pray the breviary? Do you do all these things, these novenas? Do you do, do, you do all, just a, a, a fraction of these things that the church gives us? If you do that, then let's, then miracles are going to start happening in your life. If you're not doing that, then you shouldn't be comp- complaining that nothing, that nothing's working. You're hundred percent. You and all those
1: head. things can be done in life, in your life, working. Like, think about all the time we waste. Like we can do that. We as a people can do that. And if we do, we will transform the world. Let I believe pick- that.
0: Let me piggyback off that a second. Anthony DeStefano joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. The book is 30 Days to Your New Life, a guide to transforming yourself from head to soul, available at Sophia Institute Press. Anthony, let me ask you this Joe and I are big fans at the show of not assuming people know what a word or a term means. And what, where am I going with this? You mentioned love, all right? Obviously, love is the key to everything. If you want to be happy, well, you have to be a loving person. You guys might, we talking about sacrifice. Please tell our audience how does the Catholic Church, via Saint Thomas Aquinas, define what love is? Because I think if people understood that, rather than listen to the Hollywood version as a feeling or a particular right. mindset, but as an actual action, act, love is a yes. verb and not enough. Talk about that, because I think sure. if people understood what love is, then that that's also a launching point for the road on the road to happiness. That's right. Well. Everybody seems to think that love
2: is just a, a mushy, romantic, emotional feeling. And indeed, that could be one aspect of love. Romantic love is a part of love. Uh, there, uh, love has many different meanings. But the, the, the essential definition of love, as defined by the church throughout its entire history, is exactly what I said before, what Jesus taught the night before he died. This is my body given up for you. It's self-sacrifice. The sacrifice of oneself, doing what's best for the other person, not what's best for yourself, doing what's best for the other person. That's what love is. And it doesn't have to be accompanied by one single emotion. In other words, there can be someone in front of me who I emotionally hate, literally detest can't stand this person. Maybe this person harmed me. Maybe they're just a repulsive, repugnant type of human being irritating. I could have all kinds of horrible, horrible feelings for this person. But if they need if I know that they need something and I take something that I have and do something for them and give them something, not because it makes me feel good, but because I'm going to try to give something to this person, then I am loving this person. And that's even powerful, I feel Anthony. nothing but hatred for them. That it's, is it's powerful. Hard. And by the way, this is tied to the concept of forgiveness, too. So many Christians don't understand what forgiveness is. They think, how in the world can I forgive this person who abused me, this person who, you know, hurt me? No, it doesn't have anything to do with feelings. You're never called to take abuse from someone. You're a Christian made in the image and light. Your soul is immortal, made in the image and likeness of God. You should never be a doormat for anybody. You should never uh, take abuse from anyone. So you're not called to take abuse from anyone. You're called to forgive them though. That means that in in a very calm setting, if you had to decide the destination of that person's soul, uh, would you wish them the best? Forgiving someone is wishing them the best, wishing them heaven. Let re, leave revenge and all of that stuff to God, but you wish the best for the person. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. You don't you can choose not to associate with someone who legitimately has hurt you. You don't have to you know, go to parties with them or or have them to your family gatherings, but you still have to forgive them, which means you have to pray for them and pray for their salvation. That's what forgiveness is. And love, which is similar, has nothing to do with feelings. It has to do with doing what's best for the other person.
0: No, that's, and love and, and is again, a decision and an action and your bu- right, well that's where i want i was hoping that you'd go is, is because we need to emphasize to people like you said i don't have mushy feelings towards a lot of people in fact i don't know, you know some level i might be a bit misanthropic but the question is if i saw somebody who i detested in the middle of the street and they were starving would i feed them if they yeah. were thirsty would i that's give them water jesus said you better you know jesus didn't say you should jesus said you better <laughs> Look,
2: i don't think jesus christ when he was hanging on that cross if you could look at his emotions as a man because he was fully man, I don't think he was feeling too good at that moment. And I bet he wasn't feeling too good towards the Romans who crucified him, uh or 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 to the Jews who betrayed him or to his friends who abandoned him. I don't think emotionally, emotionally he might have been fe- he might not have been feeling all warm and fuzzy feelings. In fact, he felt, if you look at what he felt, he even felt abandonment. But that didn't stop him from praying from everyone and saying, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Okay, there's an action. That's love in action right there. The feelings were probably all, you know, nothing but pain and suffering, but he acted, he decided to to, to forgive everyone and to ask his father to forgive them.
0: That's love. That's forgiveness. there's a painting. It was interesting. I, I was watching a clip a while ago. I forgot where it was from with Bishop uh Bishop Barron. And the, I forgot the painting. It's famous. I should know it, but I, I forgot. But it's a particularly brutal portrayal of the crucifixion. Um and like Brunewald, probably. Probably. And and then, but there's an image of John the Baptist there pointing at Jesus. Yes, and Bishop correct. Barron says, John the Baptist is saying in the painting, that is a happy man. There is a happy man. In the meantime, Jesus is brutalized. Um, And and I I think it pertains to our conversation and where we're going with this, because your book is about, you know, transforming yourself from head to soul 30 days to a new life. And I think that's something that we, uh, well, no, not think, I know that's something that, you know, guys like us need, need to, that's the message we need to get out there. But, but, but with limited time, I do want to ask you this, your book, Anthony, is not a self-help book. This is not Tony Robbins, where you got to pay a thousand dollars to hear some rah-rah session. Okay. Um, This is a real deal um, book about transforming oneself, uh, you know, so, but you present a 30 day program. Um and uh, you know to 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 for attaining peace and fulfillment. Break break that down a little bit, because some people might look at this and say, "Well, that's sound, that sounds a bit formulaic." But where are you going with that? It's like a thirty day program?
2: Yeah, it's a thirty day program because I wanted to take take advantage of one of the most important tools and principles I talk about in the book, which is the power of momentum. You know, when people are in a rut, any kind of rut, they have a tendency to stay that way. You know, there's a law in physics called the law of inertia, which states that an object at rest tends to stay at rest, okay? And this is especially true for people who are experiencing this kind of, different kinds of funks, you know? When you're overweight and out of shape, you know, you're, you're at rest and uh, have a tendency to stay at rest. You don't want to uh, go to the gym and exercise or lift weights or run or eat healthy foods. When your finances are in shambles and you owe everybody money, you know you're at rest and you tend to stay at rest. You don't want to make the hard choices necessary to correct the situation. You don't want to even look at uh, at your finances. You don't want to look at your bills. You don't want to, much less you know s- you know uh, stop using your credit cards. You know what you want to do instead is you know watch TV or or drink or eat or gamble or play video games or have sex or something anything to distract you from your problems. Uh, and and when you look at those problems, oftentimes you get paralyzed and and you can't do anything. Uh, so, But there's a better way to, to, to overcome your problems. And that's by harnessing this other principle from physics called momentum. When an object at rest starts to move, it moves slowly at first. It doesn't go full speed instantaneously. I'm a, I'm a pilot, as you can see from a little plane back here. When I push full throttle on the runway, that plane goes very slowly at first. In fact, the child can outrun it. But in a few minutes, it's going so fast that it achieves lift and takeoff. The key is building momentum. That's the key to long, long-lasting permanent effects in your life. If you want to get out of a funk, any funk. The best thing to do is to start with small actions, even tiny ones, but take them consistently over the period of days and weeks. And once you do that, you're bound to accelerate. Now, accel- accelerate. Now you, we all know this is true. The first trip to the gym is the hardest. It's actually torture to go. The second trip is a little bit easier. The third trip is a little bit easier. By the fourth time, you're raring to go. It doesn't matter if there's a blizzard outside, you're gonna go. Uh, it's the same thing applies to straightening out your finances. The same thing applies to straightening out your relationships. Okay. If you do things that are small, you will pick up speed. And the book tries to take advantage of this principle by doing small things every single day for 30 days. If you do that, life won't be such a roller coaster anymore. And a series of phases, that's what people go through these phases. And by the way, I'll say one last thing, this principle of starting small and doing things a little bit at a time. It's very deeply rooted in theology. Look, when God chose to save the world, how did he do it? He became a small baby in a small, humble stable. Well, if God started small in order to accomplish this greatest mission of all time, well, then why shouldn't we adopt the same strategy? And that's why I used a 30-day program in this
0: book. Well, we're we're glad you did, Anthony Stefano. Unfortunately, Joe Rusciano, I apologize, but we're on the radio and we are approaching the end of the show. Anthony, please, some final thoughts that maybe we didn't get to that you might want to impart to our audience.
2: No, I, I, I this book is a book. Uh, it, it tries to take the best of the personal development, self help world, the best principles of people like Tony Robbins, because they they have made contributions. They in terms of goal setting, setting good goals and making use of momentum and and how to control your emotions. It takes the best self-help principles, but it combines them with orthodox Christian sacramental Catholicism. You put those two things together and you're going to wind up not only transforming yourself in a temporary way. But when life hits you with a two by four, which it eventually will, it does to everybody, and you experience setbacks, you'll be able to have the tools you need to get back up on the horse and go back to basics and make these uh, tra- the transformation permanent. So that's the reason. If you combine self-help and God's help, because the problem with the self-help movement is too much self-help, not enough God's help. If you combine the two of those, then that's a combination. You're always going to come up on top. And so I hope that that's what I achieve with this book.
0: Awesome. And I still have the welts from all those two by fours, but they're healing. They're healing as, as time goes by. Anthony, uh, social media, where can our audience uh, find out more about, not just your books, but your articles and everything else? Uh,
2: you know, uh, uh, if they don't mind my Italian name, www.anthonydestefano.com. You'll find all my books. there: the children's books, the gift books, the adult books. Can't buy books there. I don't sell books, but you can find everything there.
0: All right, awesome. Anthony DiStefano, know you're a friend of the show. You're a dear friend of ours. Uh, and we are we are always more enlightened after we have a conversation with you than when we than when we went into it. So thanks, brother. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me, guys. You're the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. And you're the best. And thank you all out there for joining us at the frontline with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial. on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And wherever you see Joe and I on uh, social media, uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, follow us on Twitter. uh, Help us out a little bit. Click something that's going to boost our, uh, our audience out there. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.